You have a destiny in God. And God will not save you except there's a purpose to you. Come on. When you look at nature, you will see that there are so many things, if it was left up to you, you will not have around. You won't have mosquitoes. You won't have, you, you won't have uh, termites, roaches, and all these people. But they all have a purpose. If nothing else, to give the exterminators a job. <laughs> God will use them as instruments of judgment and chastisement. I'm just saying that when you look at that, then you see that there is no way. There's no purpose to you. Amen. The second thing you must recognize, that purpose fits in God's agenda, in God's kingdom. And regardless of all the Hooligans out there, ignorant people. The church is God's vehicle. It's like a fisherman that catches fish, but has no place to clean them. That is the kingdom without the church. You can't eat the fish. Somebody has to gut them, remove the scales and fins, before it gets to you. To think that you can pull a fish and then it ends up in your dinner plate supernaturally. (laughs) That is thinking that the church is irrelevant to your destiny. You have also learned in this house that everything God does happens in a garden. And the church is God's. And that there's a snake. And the job of the snake is to seduce you from your purpose. And the snake uses whatever strategy necessary to distract you and detour you from your purpose. If rejection doesn't work, he will use an offense. If an offense doesn't work, he uses financial problems. He anything to distract you from God. Amen. And so, when he sees that you are not deterred, then he will start selling you a lower destiny. He will not want you to make the sacrifice to hit it. Like I've given you examples. If I had listened to that pastor from Florida... Everything God has done today and will do tomorrow would have been forfeited. Because when your comfort is your agenda, 
you miss your purpose. Amen. There's pain to your purpose. Yeah. All right, I'll try that again. There's pain to your purpose. Amen. All right. It still hasn't hit it. I'll try one more time. I said, there's pain to your purpose. Amen. Actually, when I was doing this last one, he just said in my heart, whether you say amen or not, that's the way it's set up. Maybe <laughs> some of you are not saying amen because you don't want to make the wrong confession. So you don't want something to happen. Don't worry. Whether you make a confession or not, it will happen. You came into the world crying. That's actually how we know that you're alive. You come in crying and say, who did this to me? Welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Lord, we thank you for blessing us tonight. Thank you for an open heaven. Thank you for torrents of wisdom. Revelation and understanding. Build up the faith of your people. Help them to win. Help me to win. We give you praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name. All right. So, if you understand these things, you will be successful in God's kingdom. If you don't understand these things, you will join the host of God's people that are wandering around in the wilderness of life, thinking that God will do something outside of what he has already established. He wouldn't. You don't want to find out that he wouldn't. All you have to do is look at all the examples before you. You see? Because... I love uh, Colossians. He says that we have been predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. You notice? He says, your destination was set. And what is that destination? That you are going to be conformed. You will be forced into shape. So that's why he's saying, whether you say amen or not, you're going. That the whole agenda is that eventually God is going to look at your spirit and you're going to be looking like Jesus. He said, that is your destination. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay. He told me to just repeat what I said. Your destination is that when all is said and done, your spirit man will start looking like the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. So everything God is doing is for that one thing. It's not your uh, comfort. It's not your convenience. It's preparing you for eternal life. Amen. Amen. So that's why some decisions you may not understand. But God says, like Peter says, if need be. You are in heaviness through manifold temptation. He said, if it is necessary, but it's out of your control. However, you can minimize the excursions by voluntarily submitting to whatever God allows. 
you run the race that is set before you. So Philippians 2, 25 through 30. Paul writes, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier. He is not a straggler. He is somebody you can count on and depend on. He says, but he's also your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. Not even to my needs, but to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I shall have... Notice, the apostle said he was having so many sorrowful experiences. I make it a point to show these things in Scripture because we rewrite over them and never reference them. So when you are going through a sorrowful th time, you think that it's something strange. The apostles started out in blazing glory, working miracles. Peter's shadow was healing people. Hmm? From Paul's body, aprons were handed out. And people were getting healed. But eventually, those things quit happening. And they had to deal with some of the realities we're dealing with. And he said that Epaphroditus was sick. That meant that he prayed for him, and the healing did not manifest. And he said the man was sick, even almost died. He said, but God had mercy on Epaphroditus. This is a tongue twister. But then, he said, but not just on the man, but on him also. Because he would have been sorrow. Upon sorrow. You see? I know what I went through when I was confronted with the possibility that Elder Bobby was going to die. I couldn't manage that. This is not a brother afar. This one is right under my nose. And every time I talk about it, I don't know why, I almost cry. I'm fighting, back, fighting it back now, but watch. So, I understand a little bit of what Paul was talking about. Because, you may not understand, but in this journey, there are very few faithful people. It's not people claiming to be faithful. It's the one your God knows. That you can trust this person. You can, 
You can depend on them. You can, hey. Everyone is not at the same place. So, Paul says now, if this man died, it would have been something. He said, I will have sorrow. sorrow. But the assumption of the current church is that these guys never dealt with any such things. It's like, oh, a prophet of light is a sick fire. It solves instantly, yeah? Hallelujah. All of a sudden, you handed out aprons and people were healed. And somebody's under your nose and you're praying for them. Nothing happens. How do you reconcile the two? This is the reason God has a challenge trusting the current church. That is only when God agrees with you that you think you have faith. That's when your praise is up. But when God disagrees, or when God doesn't appear to do what he said. That, I keep telling you. I keep telling Resurrection House. You must pass that test. That's when you should shout louder. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That's when the spirits of rebellion and pride that has attached themselves to you all your life. That's when the glory breaks them off of you. Then you discover what I'm talking about, about being a son of God. There's nothing in your spirit that goes against God. Even when things are not working, nothing negative rises up. Hallelujah. That's when you discover glory. Hallelujah. That's, That's what I was explaining on Sunday when I broke out into that song by the Holy Ghost. I sing a... Hallelujah. Huh? I raise a melody to free me from the enemy or whatever he says. I keep teaching it. I keep explaining it so that you can deliver yourself and leave most of the church behind and enter the realms of sons of God where God can trust you. When he looks at you, okay, so you're not a rebel spirit. He allows these things to know who is who. Your heart is so complex that even God has to search it. So many times you may not even know what's in your heart. May not even know what's in your heart. I told you that a man gave me a testimony. I was more surprised that God said such a thing to him, and he didn't even recognize how bankrupt he was. He was praying seven, eight hours a day. Praying, praying, praying. First of all, he didn't recognize that he was in rebellion. I told him to go back to work and don't listen to the union and take his job back. The union told him, no, don't do that. We'll fight for you. They must pay you retroactive pay. This and that and the other. And he disregarded the counsel from the altar. But he spent time praying. Seven, eight hours a day. 
and this went on for a whole year. Then the administrative judge came, heard the case, and terminated him permanently. This is the part that amazes me. He leaves the church. So you went against godly counsel, and then even after you lost, you don't have the humility to save yourself from wandering around in the, in the wilderness. But he told me that he was praying one night around 1 a.m. And God said to him, if I did not know the heart of men, you would have deceived me by your many words. And he came and shared it with me without even recognizing what he was being told. God was telling the man, you're a fraud. I don't trust you. I said, are you that uh, spiritually daft that such a thing was shared with you and you didn't end up in tears and you are not crying out for God to have mercy on you and fix whatever that needs to be fixed. Amen. He was talking to me and laughing as if it was a compliment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I keep coming back to this thing because as a church, if we don't get past here, we will not make our destiny. That you can take correction and that God can disagree with you and it's okay. Or that you can be disappointed and worship God anyway. Amen. Once you pass it, Satan has nothing else. Amen. He has no other play. You have freed yourself Amen. from satanic control. Hallelujah. That I can find and hallelujah. Even when my emotions are down. I said, okay, Lord, this is the best I can do, but I want you to know, hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. You are my Lord. I don't want anybody else. I am not turning away from you. I'm not rebelling against you. I don't understand, but I know you love me. That's your last frontier. That's your last frontier. Then Satan will have no more play in your life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He said the man was sick, nigh unto death. And God had mercy on him because he would have had sorrow upon sorrow. And yet he was writing the scriptures. You didn't see any tinge of anger, bitterness, frustrations. I'm telling you, this is where we are in our destiny. And every one of us must determine, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to win this thing. I've been here long enough. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. I mean, I believe David found himself there and he prayed that prayer in the book of Psalms. He says, Lord, unite my heart. To fear your name. He said, Lord, cause all my insides to harmonize. 
So there's no part of me disagreeing with you. There's no part of me resenting you. There's no part of me not worshiping. Yeah. <laughs> I've told you that the things I celebrate, I know I'm not perfect, I don't claim to be, but the things I celebrate is not what you think of me. It's what God tells people about me. Those, those are the things I celebrate. I remember the last time someone came to me, he said, you know, I was praying, and God said to me, do you see your pastor? He said, yes, apostle. He said, he loves me. Amen. Hey. <laughs> I rolled on my bed. <laughs> I hugged myself. I said, thank you, Lord, for the witness. Yeah. Come on, beloved. You don't want to close. Hey. Glory. He just fell on me. I don't know. I started, I started this crying thing from Sunday. <laughs> he just fell on me again. You don't want to close your eyes in death guessing. You want to be fully assured. That when death comes, you can look up. And here's Jesus saying, son, come on. You made it. Come on. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Doc could bear me witness. We were talking about some people we knew and, you know, marriage problems. And this one, you know, went to this other woman. And this one got a divorce. And this one, I said, Doc, it's, it's pain. That's causing people to do these things. I said, but we don't need to dwell on the theology of who is right or who is wrong. I said, but what I will tell the people when I meet them is make sure that when you kneel down, eh, that he's still there. That that the light is in your spirit and you can hear him. Beloved, the heritage of faith is one thing that believers don't know anything about. When I look at my family today, and I see that all of us are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and preaching the gospel, then I see what my parents did to accomplish that. They served God. It's not to go to church on Sunday serving God. No, they were laboring in ministry. My sister said that when she received her first pay as a school teacher. My dad came and collected it when he was buying choir robes to launch (laughs) the inaugural service for the Anglican church that they built. They made sacrifices for God, and God has paid them big time. Hallelujah. And we are doing the same today, believing God that the same blessing will be upon our children. What sacrifices have you made? Paul writes about Epaphroditus, how he labored in the kingdom and was nigh unto death. Ministry cost him so much. But in America, we can't even endure a comment, a correction. We don't value our ministry. 
It's what we're doing for ourselves. If we recognize that it is God we are serving, it's God we are making sacrifices for, we will go through things and endure them to get the job done. God told me, get the job done, no excuses. Hallelujah. I just came from an international trip, and the very next day I'm here doing TV. Get the job done, no excuses. <clears throat> My body's at 1 a.m. right now, but I'm here. Get the job done, no excuses. What excuses have you been making? How have you been defeating yourself? Paul says it's for the work of the gospel that the man was sick and was nigh unto death. He says, such should be held in reputation. You should honor such people who served God faithfully. <clears throat> but that's not what we're producing in this generation. Flakes and flukes everywhere. Claiming to be great people of God, but submit to no authority except they have authority. The pride of man, Leviathan, ruling in the church of God. Do you know who Leviathan is? Go read about him in the book of Job. The scale is pride. He's using a crocodile. Go and read up on it. Leviathan, pride, 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 pride. And the Bible said that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He pulls back from you. He will not be intimate with you. He will not talk to you. He will not fellowship with you. And at the end, Jesus will say, depart from me. I don't know you. Don't think that you're going to experience after death what you haven't encountered now. No, everything is determined now. That's why I say use your level of intimacy with God when you go to pray as an accurate indicator of where you stand in this kingdom. God will help you. We're not condemning you. We're telling you the truth. Amen. 770-994-3777. This is the celebration week. So come and be with us. It will be a great time in the Lord. Great time. <clears throat> Why will it be a great time? We are not, not because we have some great name. No. Because we will be rejoicing from our heart to the Lord our God for his mighty works, for his favor, for his blessing. Do you know that nobody has died of COVID in this church? Do you know that God gave us an eagle one, a private jet to get our work done in the year 2020. Hallelujah. The same year, everything crashed and closed down all over the world. God is faithful. We, sell, we have so much to celebrate these 21 years. I was sitting here thinking about it. We've been debt free for 17 out of that 21 years. And we've been paying our staff. We've never owed any salary to anyone. We have so much to celebrate. The depth of the word of God growing, the revelation, the glory, the demonstrations of the spirit decrease from the altar coming to pass. You have so much to celebrate with us. And then we invite you to join the resurrection clan. Your life will never remain the same. Amen. Your destiny will change. God will break yokes. You have generational blessing. Don't forget Thanksgiving morning our Thanksgiving services like no other. 10 to 12, you will experience glory. Serve God. Give him the accurate offering. Bring your family to the altar. Say, thank you, Lord, for my year. You have a greater year. Amen. God bless you, beloved. Don't forget Bible study tonight. You will be blessed. Celebrate God. Be transformed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
God bless you. See you tomorrow.